Sin fractured everything. And it left us shattered and broken. But no matter how distant or silent God may seem, He's still faithfully using broken people. To accomplish His flawless plans, If you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the app. Um, Esther chapter 8 is where we're going to start today, and this is our last week um, of our series called Shattered. Um, we've been talking about fractured people who serve a flawless God. We ended last week talking about celebration, and we're going to talk about celebration more today. We're really going to kind of piggyback off of last week into into this week. Um, and, and this whole idea of celebration got me thinking about weddings. Um, it's almost summertime, which means wedding season is getting ready to be in full swing. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I got to do a wedding that was a lot of fun. Um, weddings are, for the most part, fun. Um, weddings are a time of celebration. Um, here, here's the thing about weddings, though. For the most part, they're happy events, right? Now, every, every once in a while, um, one goes sideways because a brother gets drunk or something happens or Uncle Charlie shows up after his crack binge or whatever. And, and I'm telling you, how many of you seen a crazy wedding? How many of you know, like you've seen like at least one crazy event happen at the wedding? Anyone? All right, so you know what I'm talking about. Like, they happen. So for the most part, though, they're happy. Everything leading up to them is exciting. And the couple, from the time they get engaged until the day they, they get, um, till the day of the event, they're telling everyone about it. You know why? Because to them, it's good news. To them, to their family, it's good news that needs to be shared. Here's the thing about, about good news. Good news by its very nature demands that somebody share that good news, right? Good news by its very nature demands that somebody share that good. It's not good news until somebody shares it. If you keep it inside, it's just for you. You want it to get out. And so that's what we're going to talk about today as we wrap up this series. We're going to look again at the last three chapters of the book of Esther. Now, real quick review of Esther, not, not the whole series, um, just, just a real quick review of where we've been. We've been using the puzzle every week, right? And every week we've done this. And every week everybody is panicked. And last week I mixed two puzzle pieces, or two puzzles together. And they're still mixed up because Trevor failed us and didn't separate them out. And, but here's the thing. Like last week when, when I did this and we didn't do it in the video, I don't think in first service, if you were in last, in first service last week, I don't think we mixed the puzzle pieces together. Um, and so mixed the puzzle pieces together. I thought, oh, we'll separate them out because the backs are different. No, in both of these puzzles and this one and this one, the back, the puzzle pieces are blue on the back. And so I'm not sure how he's going to do it, but if he wants to check, it's going to get done. And so <laughs> where is he? I don't think he even knows that we're talking about that. I don't think he, that's what's great. All right. The book of Esther. If you remember, um, the book of Esther 
It's the only book in the entire Bible that never mentions the name of God, not one single time. God is not mentioned in the book of Esther, but God is there in the book of Esther. And we've talked all week long about the pieces, or every week in the series we've talked about the pieces coming together, God putting the pieces back together, God taking his broken people and putting them back together. And last week we put in and we talked about the reason we mixed them together was to show that we're not alone in this, that there are other broken people sitting in here with us. Like we're, we're broken together and we're allowing God to grow all of us, putting our pieces back together. So it's obvious in the book of Esther, how God's hand is all over. And in his provision, he does some absolutely amazing things in this story. So Real quick, what we, what we've talked about, Esther and her cousin Mordecai, right? They're in captivity in a foreign land. And King Xerxes, he rules over all of the Jewish people. And so he, he, he brings them in and, and, and he's got, they're having this party. And on the last day of the party, he wants his wife to come in naked. And so he banishes her because she won't do it. And he decides, I need to have another wife. And so they get him a harem and he sleeps with a different girl every night and he likes Esther the best. And so she becomes the queen. Then there's a really bad guy. His name is what? Who remembers? Haman, right? And Haman loves to kind of kiss up to the king. And Haman hates the Jews, especially Mordecai, because Mordecai won't do what? Won't bow down to him, right? And nobody knows right now that Esther and Mordecai are Jews. Haman doesn't even know. Nobody knows. He just knows, like, he, he just absolutely hates Mordecai. Well, actually, he knows that Mordecai is a Jew because he wants to kill them all. He doesn't know about Esther. Well, Haman convinces King Xerxes to make a decree to go out, pass a law, that all the Jews will be killed. And we've said every single week, once a law is a law, it can't be what? It can't be revoked. And, and that's huge. So this story takes all of these twists and all these turns, and we've talked about it every single week. We see through a series of events and circumstances, King, King Xerxes realizes that Mordecai, who is a Jew, will be killed if the decree goes forward. We see that Mordecai had actually been part of uncovering a plot to kill King Xerxes. And so when Xerxes finds this out and reading some of the books of history, he decides to honor Mordecai. But Haman thinks that he's about to be honored. He himself. And so the king says, what should the king do to honor a man who has honored the king, who has found favor with the king? And so Haman says, you put on the robes and you do this and you do that. And and that person, that's how you honor them. You put them on your horse and put them through town and you proclaim, this is what happens to a man who the king finds favor with. And they go through the whole thing. But Haman, the amazing thing has happened here, Haman has built this big pole to kill Mordecai. But Haman ends up dying on the 75 foot pole himself because once the king finds out that Mordecai saved his life in the years, he honors Mordecai. He also finds out that Haman had plotted to kill the Jews, but he also thinks that Haman is making a pass on his wife, Queen Esther. And so this amazing twist of irony happens when the evil plot of Haman is uncovered. Remember all of this? This is really, really, really quick review. Haman, however, once he is killed, the law has been passed by King Xerxes and according to the Persian law, cannot be undone or reversed. That's the way things were done in, in those days. So we saw last week, the way we kind of went through last week, Esther went, she revealed herself as a Jew to King Xerxes, her husband. And she said, hey, you can't allow my people to be killed. And he's like, what do you mean your people? She says, I'm a Jew. 
Like, I know I didn't tell you, I'm really sorry, but hey, remember, you found favor with me, and so we're just like everybody else, and so she says, you can allow this decree to go forth, and then he doesn't allow it to go forth, he sets Mordecai up, and, and there's this big celebration, so we're going to look more about celebration today, but I really want us today to see the sovereignty of God and how God gives great provision to his people. That he really is a good, good father like we sang about. He really is great. And we're going to see an entire nation celebrating because of God's salvation, because of God's protection, because of God's provision, because of God literally picking up the pieces and putting them back together. Um, we're going to talk some more about how God used Esther and her cousin Mordecai to step up and to speak up, taking a huge risk, even at the threat of their own lives, to speak on behalf of their people. And then we're going to see the practical applications for you and me to be used by God in the same way, by, by being willing to step up, by being willing to speak up. Even though we don't know how or when God may use us, and we're going to see that we need to learn to give our lives as living sacrifices to God, saying, Lord, even if I die. Even if I die, I'm willing to serve you. Whatever you want. God, whatever you want. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever is, is fine by me. I'm here to serve you. And so, here we go. Point number one in your outline. Good news should always be shared. Good news should always be shared. Good news must be shared in order to be good. It's the nature of good news to share it. Is it not? Like when you hear something really good, you tell somebody, don't you? If you go to a really good restaurant, you tell other people how good it is. Yes or no? Yeah. A, a few months ago, um, Jira and I were in Des Moines and, and he wanted sushi. And so we went to um, a sushi place in Waukee that we heard was really, really good. And we went and there's a 45 minute wait, minimum 45 minute wait. Guess what? Pastor Ryan, don't wait, all right? I don't care how good it is, I'm not waiting. And so we left, and Texas Roadhouse is across the street. I'm like, we're gonna go to Texas Roadhouse. He said, no, there's another sushi place. It's like 10 minutes from here. And so we go to this place, it's called O Sushi. We sit down, it doesn't look like, it looks like it'll be, oh, sushi. Like, that's what it looks like. All right, so we sit down and we're going through the menu and I'm looking at it. He's looking at it and they're all movie titles. And so you got to read and figure out what is what, and which one you're going to like. We finally decide that we're both going to get two rolls. And so he orders two rolls. I order two. I pick two rolls. He picks two rolls. The waiter comes over and we order our rolls. He says, um, if you're each going to get two rolls, I suggest you just get all you can eat. Ooh, Okay. Like, all we can eat of whatever you decide to bring out? He goes, no, man, you just order off the menu whatever rolls you want. And I'm like, this is like heaven. And so we ended up eating like 11 and a half rolls between the two of us, which is absolutely insane, which is another message for another time. But I was taking pictures of all the rolls. I was sending it to everybody that I know who likes sushi. I was like, you got to come check this place out. And I'm telling you right now, if you're ever in that um, in that Des Moines area, I can't remember what is what is what is Beaverdale, right? If you're ever in that area, you got to go to O Sushi and get the all you can eat sushi. It's phenomenal. And so we like to talk about things when we have a good experience. Yes or no? When you find a good deal on something, you want to tell somebody about it. That's what we see happening as we wrap up the Book of Esther. There's been this plot 
to kill the entire nation of Israel. The irony is that there are two Jews who are very close to King Xerxes, the only one who can protect the Jews. The bad guy Haman is dead, and now God in his provision and in his sovereignty is doing something amazing to protect his people. And, and, and that, this is where the good news takes place. We're going to pick this up, chapter 8, verse 10. The decree was written in the name of King Xerxes and sealed with the king's signet ring. Mordecai sent the dispatches by swift messengers who rode fast horses, especially bred for the king's service. Now here's what's happening. Again, big summary today. Esther goes to the king and says, King, I'm a Jew. And the decree that you passed under the influence of Haman is going to allow all of my people in 127 provinces that you rule over, all the way from Ethiopia to India, anyone can attack the Jewish people and kill them. Now, I know, king, that you can't undo the previous decree, but you can do something. You're the king. You're King Xerxes. In that time period, the name King Xerxes was the name above all names. Like, people said the name King Xerxes and everybody trembled. Everybody fell down. Everybody worshipped King Xerxes. They were terrified of King Xerxes. And so Esther's like, you can do something. You can pass another decree that will allow my people to defend themselves. And we talked about that last week. We talked about how we're stronger when we realize that we're all broken together and we unite, right? That's what we talked about. And so the king agrees to do that. Mordecai is then able to go in and sign anything he wants. The king gives Mordecai, don't miss that, gives Mordecai the authority to go in and say whatever he wants to say and then sign the new law with the king's signet ring. That's huge. And then he sends out this message, um, this message by messenger to all of the people um, and, and all the Jewish people in the province. And it says, hey, you don't have to stand there all alone and watch yourselves die. You can fight back. We're going to unite because we're stronger together and we're going to fight back. Now, why is this such a big deal? It's a big deal because God's plan, remember, remember, they don't mention the name of God in the book of Esther. But God's plan all along had been that the Jewish nation would be the vehicle by which the Messiah was to come to the human race. That's why it's such a big deal for God to protect the Jews in the Old Testament. That's why even looking back at it now, even in the midst of all of the pieces, we can see the amazing hand of God at work in these events. So when Mordecai writes this decree and it's sent out, it's good news. Yes or no? Yeah, it's really, 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 really good news because the people of Israel are now going to be spared. They're going to live. Let's keep going. Verse 11. The king's decree gave the Jews in every city authority to unite to defend their lives. They were allowed to kill, slaughter, and annihilate any of their any nationality or province who might attack them. Now, the previous decree said that anyone could go in and kill, slaughter, and annihilate the Jews. Now, the Jews are given authority to do the same exact thing back. 
um, on, of any nationality or province who might attack them or their children and wives and to take the property of their enemies. The day chosen for this event throughout all provinces of King Xerxes was March 7th of the next year. A copy of this decree was to be issued as law in every province and proclaimed to all peoples so that Jews would be ready to take revenge on their enemies on the appointed day. So urged on by the king's command, the messengers rode out swiftly on fast horses, bred for the king's service. The same decree was also proclaimed in the fortress of Susa. Now, I want to draw your attention to a couple words and phrases here that will help us understand why this was good news and needed to be shared. And then when we apply it to ourselves, why the gospel is such a big deal and, and why it's central, why here at this church, why we're willing to do whatever it takes to reach people with the gospel, to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. First of all, verse 10. In verse 10, there, there's the word in there, sent. It says, he sent messengers, sent the dispatches by swift messengers. In other words, Mordecai, don't miss that. Mordecai had the full authority of the king to send out messengers to deliver the good news to every Jewish community in the 127 provinces from Ethiopia to India. He said, hey, you can defend yourself. Again, anyone who tries to attack you, you have the authority of the king to do it. It's, it's not me telling you. It's not, it's not the governor of the land telling you. It's not this person telling you. It's not just something you heard that you heard that you heard. Like this is straight up coming from the king. Again, the king's name, everybody feared the king. And now you have the authority of the king to kill, slaughter, annihilate anyone who comes after you. Like that's good news. Then it says this in verse 13, a copy of this decree would be issued as law in every province and proclaimed to all peoples, all peoples, all, not just Jewish people. This is for all peoples. The news was no good unless all the people knew about it, right? And see, that's how the gospel works. The gospel is good news, but it's only good news to the people who hear it. Think about this. There are so many people on planet earth that have access to the gospel. That have access to the, to the knowledge that God came to earth, born a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose from the grave, and is coming back again. That's the, that's the gospel. And there, there are so many people that do have access to that. And there are so many people who don't have access to that. There are people who don't have a single copy of the scriptures. There are people that don't know that Jesus came, that Jesus was born a virgin, that Jesus lived a sinless life, that Jesus died on the cross, that Jesus rose again, that Jesus is coming back. They don't know what Jesus did for them. They have no idea. That's hard for us. Because we feast on the gospel here at Central. We feast on the gospel in America. Seriously, we have churches. We have Bibles on top of Bibles on top of Bibles. And Christian radio stations. And weird people on Christian TV that you maybe should watch. Or certain, I don't know. Um, we have evangelists and pastors and preachers and teachers. But do you know that about one out of every three people on earth don't even know what the gospel is? Did, did you know that? And so our goal is to make the gospel known. It's not good news to people if they die and never hear it. Think about it like this. Let's say you get diagnosed with an incurable disease, but somewhere, someone has developed a cure. 
They just aren't willing to tell anybody about it. Now, would you be upset about that? Yes or no? Yeah, you could die without the cure to this disease. And even though this disease could have been cured by that particular medicine, no one tells you and you die. That's how the gospel works. It's only good news if we share it. I want to show you one more thing. Verse 14 says this. So urged on by the king's command, the messengers rode out swiftly on fast horses, bred for the king's service. They were in a hurry. They wanted to get the news out quick. They didn't want anyone to be attacked. They didn't want anybody to perish. They didn't want anybody to die. We don't want that either. Can you imagine what this would have been like to have been a Jew and to know that before Haman was killed, that King Xerxes had issued a decree that anybody could come in and attack you for any reason. Anyone could kill you, could kill your wife, could kill your kids, could kill your husband, and take your stuff. Can can you imagine the fear that they lived in? Can you imagine the anxiety that the Jews had to live in every single day? No wonder the messengers went out with with, with the good news, and they went out as quickly as possible. That's one of the reasons why I'm glad to be a part of a church like this, because we're not willing to sit around and let people die without the gospel. We'll take the gospel to people by whatever means necessary. And we say all the time, we'll do anything, 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 anything short of sin to see people get saved. Listen, 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 listen. We're not going to compromise the message. Like, we're not going to do that. If you've been around for any amount of time, you understand that. We're not. We're not going to sin, but we'll do Whatever it takes to get the good news out. Why? Because we want to race out with the good news of Jesus' love for people. And if you don't like that, we're sorry. Not really. Um, but that, that's what we're about. In Romans chapter 10, Paul asked this series of rhetorical questions about good news, about good news being shared. And this is what he says. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Talk about who's the him in here. Jesus, right? So how can they call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in Jesus? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they believe in Jesus if they've never heard about Jesus? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How can they hear about Jesus unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. There are people, church, that need to hear the good news. They need to hear the gospel. The world is filled with people who have never been evangelized. And right here, Paul says, how can people believe in the name of Jesus if they've never heard of Jesus? And how can people hear about Jesus unless somebody goes and tells them about Jesus, tells the world the good news of the love of Jesus Christ? And how can they tell them if they're not sent out? And that's what's exactly what's happening right here in the book of Esther. A group of people sent out to share the good news, to tell all of the Jews who had feared for their lives, hey, you don't have to be hopeless. You don't have to be in fear. You can rise up and together we can defend ourselves. And that, church, is good news. So how do we apply that? Well, if you know Jesus, you've got a job to do. Since I know Jesus, I've got a job to do. I'm not a spectator, I'm a participator. And if you know Jesus, that's your role too. 
You don't get to be a spectator. You have to be a participator in sharing the good news. Since I've been saved by the grace of God, then I need to share the good news. If you've been saved by the grace of God, you need to share the good news. Whether it's by what I say with my mouth, or whether it's how I live my life, or how I spend my time, or how I spend my money, or how I treat the cashier at Walmart. Whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes. Do you know, by the way, the best way to race out? Do you know the best way to make known the good news of Jesus Christ? This would be nice. This would be nice to be, be the nicest person around. Have the joy of Jesus wherever you go. Wherever you go, have the joy of Jesus. Share the good news. Good news has to be shared in order to be good. Number two, when God's people step up, lives are saved. When God's people step up, lives are saved. You and I need to understand What we just read happened because a woman was willing to step up. Let's go back and look at what Esther actually did. Because of what she did, the Jews are able to live. The evil plot of Haman is over. Haman is dead. Mordecai and Esther have now seemingly won the day. But I want you to know it just didn't happen randomly. Okay? The hand of God was picking up the pieces and moving the pieces together. And it happened when one of God's people was willing to step up and say, hey, I will take a risk. I don't care how many pieces my life is in. I don't care how much I put it back together. I don't care how much it's going to break apart again. I am willing to take a risk. Look at this. Esther chapter 8. Let's go back to verse 3. Then Esther went again before the king, falling down at his feet and begging him with tears to stop the evil plot devised by Haman the Agite against the Jews. Again, the king held out the gold scepter to Esther. So she rose and stood before him. Hold up. In order for good news, we just talked about this, in order for good news to be shared, in order for a new decree to be written by the king that would cover the old decree, Esther had to be willing to risk her life, go before the king. And even though she was married to King Xerxes, she broke protocol. She wasn't supposed to go into his inner chamber unless he had invited her. And she hadn't been invited, she hadn't been summoned, she hadn't been called in like a month. She had not been invited or summoned. That is huge, that is key. She could have easily, and rightfully been killed here. But she risked her very life to save her people. She stepped up. She stepped in. She spoke up. And when she did, God gave her grace. And the king extended the gold scepter and Esther pleads her case. Verse five, Esther said, if it pleases the king and if I have found favor with him and if he thinks it is right and if I am pleasing to him, let there be a decree that reverses the orders of Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agai, who ordered that Jews throughout all the king's province should be destroyed. For how can I endure to see my people and my family slaughtered and destroyed? Then King Xerxes said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, I have given Esther the property of Haman and now he has been impaled on a pole because he tried to destroy the Jews. Now, now here's where it gets really good. This is where God's salvation comes through. This is the reason they're celebrating. Um, This is where we see the pieces coming back together. Watch this. Verse 8. Now go ahead and send a message to the Jews in the king's name, telling them whatever you want. Seal it with the king's signet ring. But remember that whatever has already been written in the king's name and sealed with the signet ring cannot be revoked. Mordecai, again, 
Mordecai is now given complete authority by the king to write out another decree that will overrule the first one to kill all of the Jews. And he's given him the authority. This is so, so, so big. He's given Mordecai the authority to seal it with his own signet ring. And that's why the messengers are going out. And that's why when they get out there, that's why there's rejoicing. They're taking the good news and they're sharing it all the way from Ethiopia to India, which is a big area. And this happens. So on June 25th, verse 9, the king's secretaries were summoned and the decree was written exactly as Mordecai dictated. It was sent to the Jews and the highest officers, the governors and the nobles of all 120 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. The decree was written in the scripts and languages of all peoples of the empires, including that of the Jews. And then again, verse 10, the decree was written in the name of King Xerxes and sealed with the king's signet ring. Mordecai sent the dispatches by swift messengers who rode fast horses, especially bred for the king's service. What a What a huge turn of events in just a few chapters. Just a few chapters ago, the Jews were bound for destruction. Now they're all being protected. And God used Esther because she was willing to step up. When God's people step, don't miss this. When God's people step up, big things happen. When God's people step up, big things happen. Now sometimes we think to ourselves, well, how can I do this? How can I step up? Well, Esther, Esther did two things. And I want you to remember this because it's very, very practical. Number one, Esther was bold. Esther was bold. How do we know she was bold? Because she walked into King Xerxes' chamber at the risk of her own life. And so she was bold. But not only was she bold, but she was humble. How do we know she was humble? Well, there are a couple phrases in verse 3. Look, look at those again if you want to put verse 3 back up there. What did she go do before she went before the king? Falling at his feet. Weeping. Begging him. Begging him to end his evil plan. She's a bold woman who's found great favor in God's eyes, but she's humble enough to realize it's the providence of God that saves the day and not our own human efforts. I believe in the culture that we live in now, we put so much emphasis on phrases like random acts of kindness and the power of positive thinking. And, and listen, 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 those, those are good things, all right? You should, you should think good thoughts. You should do nice things for other people. But if all we ever do, think about this, if all we ever do is just think positive thoughts, you know what that does? It makes us oblivious to the sin and brokenness of the world that we all live in. Listen, you can't think your way into salvation. I can't talk my way into heaven. The only way I get into heaven is the amazing provision of a sovereign God who gave his best gift, his one and only son, to die on the cross, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, so that we would not die without hope. That's how we receive God's salvation. God does it. God does it. God picks up the broken pieces of our lives and God puts them back together. I don't put them back together. God puts them back together. I don't come up with salvation on my own. God gives me salvation. Amen? But guess what? He uses people. He uses people who are willing to step up. And Esther stepped up. She was willing to ask the king to move. She, she, was, she knew, I gotta do something. I've gotta step up. If I do absolutely nothing, everybody around me is going to die. You've got to be willing to step up. Are you willing to ask the king to move? Because point number three, God uses people to accomplish his purpose. God always uses people to accomplish his purpose. What we've seen in the book of Esther 
as there was an evil plan to kill the Jews. But God had, in his provision, secretly, without the knowledge of the king, placed two Jews very close to the king Xerxes. And how did God save the Jewish people? How did God bring salvation? He used Esther and he used Mordecai, right? Listen, I want to say this very clearly. God wants to use you. He does. He really does. You don't have to be a seminary graduate. I, I'm not, really. I quit seminary. I, I did. I, I quit. I have, I have Bible college degrees and other stuff like that. But seminary, I quit. I'm not against it. I'm just too busy to finish. And so you don't have to have a THD in theology. You don't have to have been a Christian for the last 50 years. You, you know what? Some of you today, some of you might not even be a Christian. And I'm telling you, God wants to use you. He wants to save you and he wants to use you. And, and you might be thinking, well, I've got no skill. I've got no gift. I've got no ability. I've got nothing God could use. Oh, yes, you do. You either got a big mouth or you got a big checkbook. Seriously, you got a big vision or you got a big imagination, you got a big history, right? Or, or you got a great testimony, you got a history that's filled with, with all kinds of things that people can relate to, um, people who have gone through the same things that you're going through. God can use you. Some of you might be thinking, well, God could never use me. I'm royally messed up. Ryan, I'm broken into a thousand pieces. Ryan, you don't know. You're right. I don't know, but I don't need to know. Because I'm not the one who shed my blood for you. Jesus is. He knows everything about you. He knew every stupid, foolish thing you would ever do. And he went ahead and he made arrangement to pay for those stupid things. And he died on the cross, shed his blood, rose from the grave so that you could live. He wants to use you. Even if you're an outsider and you're like, I don't understand this. This makes no sense to me. It's all right. God understands you. You make sense to him. He loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to use you. You could be used by God. You don't even know it yet because God always uses people to accomplish his purposes. I want to show you this because he uses people here, and this is amazing. People think and people argue all the time, God could never use me. But if you'll read the Bible, you'll see over and over and over and over and over and over again, God used imperfect people from start to finish to accomplish his plans. Chapter 10, verse 3. It's the last verse in the entire book of Esther, and it honors Mordecai. Let me show you how God uses people. Look at this. Mordecai the Jew became the prime minister. That, that's second in command. Second in command. Second in command over the entire thing. I don't know if you know about second in command, but second in command is the person that does everything, right? Around here, that's John Sampson. People say all the time, what does John Sampson do? Everything. I come up here and preach. That's all I do in this whole church. Like, that's all Ryan does. That's it. Like, that. John does everything. The other staff do a few things, but John, second command. Does everything, right? Everything. Everybody goes to them with the problems. He's the one tasked with having to fix it. That's the thing. Mordecai the Jew became prime minister with the authority next to King Xerxes himself. He was very great amongst the Jews who held him in high esteem because he continued to work for all the good of his people and to speak up for the welfare of all of their descendants. The Jews would have all been dead if it hadn't been for Mordecai and his willingness as well as Esther and her boldness. And so you see, God uses people. God used Mordecai, and God used Esther. He used somebody to lead me to Jesus. Somebody told me. Somebody spoke up. God used somebody to lead you to Jesus. Somebody told you. Somebody spoke up. It might have been a message. I might have said something. might have been somebody totally different. But God used somebody to tell you because God always uses people. 
always, now sometimes I get into like theological debates with people who are educated way beyond their intelligence. And you might think, I've never met anyone like that. You're lucky, seriously. Because sometimes people say things to me like, well, God doesn't need to use us, pastor. God. They always draw it out like God. They'll put a W in there or something. I don't know. God could use a couch. Yeah. All right, cool. God could use a couch. But I got a question for you. When was the last time God used a couch? Seriously. People want to throw out, whoa, God could use anything. He used Balaam's donkey. All right, yeah. Okay, you got me. Cool. Once. He used a donkey one time. One time he used a donkey. Well, actually, he uses a donkey every time I get up here to preach. But that's... What you don't realize, what people don't even use with that, is like, yeah, the donkey spoke, but Balaam left. Like, Balaam just even rejected, and then he came back and beat the donkey and left again. And so, anyway, that's another message for another time. But you see what I'm saying? People want to say these things. Well, God is sovereign, and God is going to do what God wants to do. Yeah, I agree. I 100% do not question that at all. But here's what God has decided to do. God has decided to use people. People. People, say people, people. He doesn't use monkeys, he doesn't use dogs, he doesn't use elephants, he sure as heck doesn't use cats. He uses people. God uses people. He uses people, 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 just like you and me. People who have royally messed up our lives. People who have skeletons in their closets. People who have drinking problems. People who have drug problems. People who've had abortions. People who have sexual sin. People who have made mistakes that nobody knows about. People who have gone through depression and anxiety. People with completely broken lives just trying to hold the pieces together. He uses everybody if we will just let him. Can you tell I'm passionate about this just a little bit? Pieces all over the floor. God uses people. Listen, and he, and, he, and he used Mordecai and he used Esther because they were willing to step up and they were willing to speak up. Mordecai and Esther were willing to be used. How about you? I know, I know some people, well, God will never use me to accomplish anything. God's never used me to accomplish anything. Well, have you ever been willing? Like, have you ever been willing? Have you ever told him you want to be used? Try that. Seriously. Try that. Try it. Lord, I want to be used. I want to be used by you. I don't know what you can use, but you're God. And, and since I'm not God, I'm pretty sure if I give you what I've got, you can take it and you can use it. That's the way that God has ordained things to happen, church. You have a purpose. You're created on purpose, with a purpose, or for a purpose. You are not random. Let God use you. Point number four, salvation should always be declared and celebrated. Salvation should always be declared and celebrated. The Jews came so close to being attacked and annihilated. They came so close to utter death. But King, but God used Esther and Mordecai to step in and save them through King Xerxes. And what happened, the good news was, was spread. The good news was shared. People were spared and saved, and they celebrated big time. I want to read you what happens in chapter 9, starting in verse 20. Mordecai recorded these events and sent letters to the Jews near and far throughout all the provinces of King Xerxes, calling on them to celebrate an annual festival of these two days. He told them to celebrate these days with feasting and gladness and by giving gifts of food to each other and present to the poor. This would 
commemorate a time when the Jews gained relief from their enemies, when their sorrow was turned into gladness and their mourning into joy. So the Jews accepted Mordecai's proposal and adopted this annual custom. Haman, son of Hamadatha of the Agite, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted to crush and destroy them on the date determined by casting lots. The lots were called Purim. But when Esther came before the king, he issued a decree causing Haman's evil plot to backfire. And Haman and his sons were impaled on a sharpened pole. We didn't talk about that um, last week or in, in week number two. That when Haman was killed, also his sons were killed. And, and this is another message for another time, but I want to say this because this is in the text. Your sin doesn't just affect you. It affects those around you. Amen? Anyway, so because of Mordecai's letter and because of what they experienced, the Jews throughout the realm agreed to inaugurate this tradition and to pass it on to their descendants and to all who became Jews. They declared they would never fail to celebrate these prescribed days. See this theme in here? The celebration? To celebrate these two prescribed days at the appointed time each year. These days would be remembered and kept from generation to generation and celebrated by every family throughout the provinces and the cities of the empire. This festival of Purim would never cease to be celebrated amongst the Jews, nor nor would the memory of what happened ever die out among their descendants. And you know, thousands of years later, the Jews are still celebrating the Feast of Purim every year for two days. They're still celebrating God's salvation. They look back and they realize we were days away from utter annihilation and God stepped in and saved us. And so they eat and they dance and they drink and they fellowship and they feast. They get together and they rejoice in God's goodness. And so how do we apply that? How do, how do we apply that here at Central? Well, I think we do a decent job. I think when people get saved, we rejoice. I think when people get baptized, we celebrate. I, th- I think we do celebrate. I think we do a lot of celebrating things here at Central. Now, with that, I want to address something that comes up from time to time. There are some people, <laughs> some haters, who love to watch Central. And while some people rejoice in what God is doing here, some people question it. And that's okay. We've learned to largely ignore the critics because you can't shut them up, right? You can't shut them up, but you can tune them out, right? And so, so we try really hard to tune them out. But when we ask people to trust Jesus by repenting of their sin and people tell us they've been saved, we take their word for it and we celebrate with them. And when people hear that, most people rejoice. Most people celebrate. Most people do exactly what the Jews did. Most people party and say, yes, praise God. But some people are like, hmm. I don't know. How do you really know? How do you really know, Ryan? How do you really know they got saved? How do you really know they heard the gospel? How do you really know they're going to heaven? How do you really know they meant it? Well, I want to clear this up. I want everybody to know like where I stand on this, all right? And this is probably on behalf of, of our entire church. I want us to all understand something. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know who's saved. Only God knows that. He's the judge, the jury, and the executioner, right? And, and, and the executioner of his justice is not me, and it's not you, and it's not this church. We preach Jesus here. We preach him crucified. We preach repentance of sin. We tell people, make a choice about following Jesus. And if someone tells us, hey, I repented of my sin and I've trusted Jesus for salvation, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say, praise God. Do you have a Bible? Um, have you been baptized? How, how can we take you? Ta- how can we help you take your next step? Are you in a group? Like, what can we do? I'm not going to be like, well, I don't know if you really meant it. 
I don't know if you're saved. So you know what? I'm going to watch you for about the next 10 years and see if you're fruitful. And if you're bearing fruit, not just a little fruit, but all of the fruit. If you're bearing all of the fruit, then I'll make that call. I don't get to make that call. You don't get to make that call. You and I do not make that call. You know who makes that call? Who makes that call? Jesus, right? Jesus makes that call. So we're always going to celebrate God's salvation. We're always going to rejoice in God's salvation. We're always going to do what the Jews did. We're going to throw a party. We're going to have a feast. And if if you don't like to rejoice, maybe you really don't want to go to heaven. Heaven is a place that's going to have a whole lot of party. When we get there, we're going to party like it's 1999, baby. Maybe. That, That would be great. Salvation. Here's the point. Salvation must always be declared. And celebrated. See, God's salvation cannot be stopped. Did you know that? God's plan is not going to be stopped. And so if you can't stop it, why not receive it? Why not just receive it? If, if you can't stop it, why not get in on it? Why not be a part of it? And church, we all need to understand, if we're followers, we need to be messengers. We need to go out and we need to declare the good news. Here's what we're going to do. Craig is going to come up. He's going to close us out on a song. And during that time, during this song, um, I, we, we haven't talked about this in a while, but on the front communion stations up on the wall, um, maybe some of you have seen this and you've always wondered what it is. There are names on the wall. Those are names that get prayed for weekly here in this church um, for people to come to know the gospel, to understand the gospel. And so we pray for these people on the wall. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do is if you, if, if you would like, during this song, come up, um, if you're somebody that God has laid on your heart, a couple of weeks ago, we, we wrote down people's names that we should text, that we should talk about, um, we should tell that we encourage, um, kind of the same thing here. Somebody who's far from God, somebody who needs to hear the gospel, somebody you want prayed for. Um, we're going to pray for the people who wrote the names down. We're going to pray for you to have the boldness to step in, to step up, to declare the good news and the message of Jesus Christ um, to them. Um, but we're also going to pray specifically for them by name. And so if there's somebody that you would like to have on that wall, come up here. There's some Sharpies up there. Write their name on the wall. If you would like to take a picture of what's, what's up on the wall so that you could t- go home and you could you can join us in prayer throughout the weeks so of praying for those different names. Uh, and I'm telling you, every, every week, every week, all throughout the week, I'm standing in front of there at different times and praying for the people on the walls. Other people on staff are doing the same exact thing. And so that, that, that doesn't, it's not just something we're writing up there. This thing's been going on for years and we've seen people be saved because of it. We've seen God step in and move in people's lives because of this. And we've, we've celebrated when we're able to paint over top of those names. And so if you'd like to do that, I would encourage you to do that um, as Craig sings this song. And so let's stand and let's sing along with Craig. And if you feel led to come on up, then, then you come and do that. You are here moving in our midst I worship you I worship you You are here working in this place I worship you I worship you You are we make a miracle worker 
promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are, we make a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you, I worship you, you are here, healing every heart, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, turning lives around, I worship you. Worship you. You are here, bending every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are, we make a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. We Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, 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 that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see that you're working, even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see that you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. We make a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are, we make a miracle worker. Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are.